thank you for tuning in to the Coaching York podcast. To find out more about who we are, what we do and how we do it, please go to coachingyork.co.uk. That's coachingyork.co.uk. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Coaching York podcast with me, Jeff Ashton. Me, Fiona Smith. And me, Steve Page. And we're into our second of our two podcasts, thinking about coaching on a voluntary basis. Last time, Steve was sharing about his experiences coaching uh, people who were refugees or in challenging situations abroad. And now we're into our second section. So, Fiona, over to you. What are we going to talk about today? Okay, so what we're going to have a conversation around today is... um the experience that Steve had of coaching through COVID and um, providing some uh, coaching to people working within the National Health Service through through the pandemic. Steve, one of the things that quite interests me around this is um, obviously you've had a wealth of clients through your business who you've, who've you know, the, through a commercial agreement, you've, you, you've coached them. Was there anything different about the relationship you had with your clients through this this voluntary program of coaching was anything that you noticed differently about how that relationship formed or developed so i i worked with five people to a significant degree there there was there there was certainly one other person i met once and we both agreed it wasn't what they were looking for some there were a lot of similarities to the setting up of the contract and the agreeing what the focus was and what the purpose was and what they wanted from coaching. And we worked in a similar way to the way that I work with people who come to me on a private and commercial basis. Others were different. I'm thinking in particular of someone who was a manager of a care home. Well, they weren't a manager of a care home when they started with me. They were actually off sick they resigned and put themselves on sick because they were completely overwhelmed by what they'd been experiencing working in the care sector. But we worked through a process which took them to a point when they felt ready to and applied for and got a job running a new and quite substantial care home. And it was similar, but what was different was the way they, the way they kept bringing in the personal experience and how much it was affecting them. And I think with that person and with someone else who I worked with who was also a manager of a big care home, it became much more coaching and counselling. There was much more of a counselling element to it than there would be in a typical coaching contract. I'm fine doing that. You know, I'm an experienced coach, uh, counsellor and therapist, so I didn't have a problem with that. And I did check it out because coaching through COVID, COVID had kind of supervision groups, support groups that you could that you could sign up to. And I went to one of those and talked about it in some depth. And the people there were absolutely positive and encouraging of me if I was willing and able to work in that on that boundary to do so. So it became a different kind of work. And it somehow needed to be. I mean, the, the way I make sense of that is I think that was to do with just how difficult and chaotic life was for many people who were in the care sector whereas the nhs i mean the nhs was being overwhelmed at times but it was within a structure within a context it had a it had its ways of operating and in with none of the people i worked with who were nhs none of them 
had that structure broken down. So they were still operating within a structure. They were under a huge amount of pressure and they were finding it very difficult, but the, the basic structure was still in place. In the care sector, in both cases, I think, the evidence was that the structure was actually kind of crumbling. So that's a, you're, you're then in a different kind of scenario. I don't think I have many coaching clients in, in my private practice where I would say that the structures they're operating in within are crumbling before their eyes. Yeah, and it sounds to me like the supervision part of that was really, really important to enable you to do what you felt was the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wanted, I wanted to hear that. I wanted to know what how other people would react to that. Because, I mean, part, part of... I think until I did the coaching through COVID, I, there's always a bit of me that felt a slight fraud as a coach. I always thought, am I just being a therapist and winging it, really? Um, you know, a therapist who's been a manager and been a leader in organisations and they're kind of winging it from that. But what I loved about the coaching through COVID people is the way they talked about compassion and heart and love. And it's like, you don't get many, I haven't heard many people talking about love in coaching until I was involved in coaching through COVID. And I thought, oh, I can talk this language. I understand this stuff. This is what I do. <laughs> so actually, one of the things for me, co the coaching through COVID program was very important. It, it changed my own perception of my persona as a coach. I'm just completely relaxed calling myself a coach and doing what it is I do. Whereas so I'd, always, I'd always had that slight, Ooh, it's okay so yes the supervision was part of how I got that that's fascinating and that's really interesting coming back to that point about how much you gained from the process of of being involved with that of, the, of those five clients that you had had any of them ever received coaching before one had right and and did you notice any difference with that person versus others going they into were it? very they were very clear what they wanted and they at one point, I think it was session four or five, they came and said, I want to talk about something different today. Is that okay? I want, And they renegotiated with me. They renegotiated the and they just did it. They just renegotiated really quickly and then got stuck into what it was they wanted to talk about, which was perfectly appropriate. I was, and the, But they did it. They didn't need me to do it. They just did it. I just kind of said, yeah, sounds fine. <laughs> Off you go. Where, so, so there was a kind of um, confidence that they had uh -huh. whereas others were a bit more cautious is this okay are you okay if I talk about this do you mind is this is this why we're here is that all right so needing to be really more reassuring really so reflecting back on the, the things that you've learned from working with those people um and most of whom who hadn't experienced coaching before Mm -hmm. If it's a coach listening to this who's interested in getting involved with some type of voluntary coaching, working with a program, working with clients, any guidance you'd offer to them for success in getting that relationship up and running that, that, that you learned from, from what you've been involved in? I think the most important thing for those who hadn't got previous experience of coaching was to not try and force feed them. It was more to go for a walk with them around the buffet, but let them walk in front as much as possible and let them put on their plate what they wanted, what they thought was attractive. And to do that without any sense of feeling like I knew better than they did, 
I wanted to take my lead from them. Because as far as I was concerned, particularly in this particular program, kind of pretty much anything I could do that they felt would be beneficial to them seemed to me like that was definitely up for consideration because you know, they were up against it. And so if anything I could do was going to help them, I didn't mind too much whether how much it might look like coaching someone else, as long as it was what, or coaching through COVID to someone else. So long as it, for them, it was helping to sustain them in what they were doing, because they all wanted to keep going. That was one of the things that really stood out. They were very committed to what they were doing and to the patients or the residents of the care home, you know, patients in hospital. I love that analogy. Yeah, very, very powerful and actually lands the point really clearly. And so I, I guess it's that um, it's helping her not to be a barrier, isn't it? Of that um, almost like the coming to a coaching relationship. It's like, what are you going to do to me? Yeah. And almost like that fear that they're bringing with them. And yeah, yeah. It's about not, not, not bringing all that, you know, the unnecessary terminology, the, the, mm. the unnecessary process. And I think sometimes if we're anxious as a coach, that can get in the way, can't it? Our anxiety can lead us to do a bit of force feeding if we're not careful, just so that we feel better, that we feel like we're doing something we recognise as coaching. The other point you made about the, well, if they came into this and felt they got something from it, that's what mattered. If they felt more able to do what it is they wanted to do in the situation they were in, then as far as I was concerned, what we were doing was successful. Mm, really interesting. Yeah. And in every case, that was continue what they were doing. Well, one case, one person, it looked like it wasn't for a while. <laughs> but And I think that would have been okay too. Just it's my job to throw people back at the, the front line if they didn't feel like they wanted to be there anymore. Well, I imagine that being in that situation, actually having the hour or, or whatever session they had with you of that clean and clear space where they could literally just stop and think and there was there was nothing else there was no one mm. asking things of them it must have been incredibly powerful i think so and that was one of the things that i contracted with people very carefully at the beginning that we made sure they had a space where they were not going to be interrupted because some of them were were in work situations when we were speaking and, and they all managed to do that. And one of, one of them got interrupted partway through and they gave the person hell. <laughs> it was really fun listening to it. Mm. <laughs> was there anything else that was different about the contracting that you did with them that was sort of specific to the, the type of uh, arrangement that you had or wanted to have? With one person, I think it would be fair to say that their personal life started to kind of feel like it was coming apart at the seams for them a bit part way through and I encouraged them I, I said to them okay look with that happening alongside everything else you're managing we'll make our appointments but if you need to contact me a different time that's fine it just felt right and they did it once they did it once and they were in a complete meltdown and I think that helped to get them through that that particular crisis um and they came out the other side i mean it, it, but it was just and it, at the time it did feel this is a bit risky i kind of opening myself up here rather but 
I already had a sense of them respecting my boundaries. I didn't feel like they were going to abuse it. So that was different. That's not something I would normally do. And when you say that it, it made a difference for them, were you referring to that one conversation that they had with you or the fact that they knew if necessary, they could call on you? They would have said, I think, that one conversation was really important for them. My sense was it was the fact that they knew they needed that conversation. And when they contacted me, I happened to be available and we talked. I mean, that was a fluke. You know, I might not have been, but I was. So it kind of, and I think that sense of it's possible to ask for help and get it gave them a bit more courage, I think because they were in a difficult situation. And we talked quite a lot about, after that, we talked quite a lot about support structures and I got them, I encouraged them to identify some people that they wouldn't, I think, might not have thought of. We kind of did the, well, who on earth could you phone? You know, if you were, if you hadn't got through to me, who might you have phoned? Who might you have talked to? Who might you have contacted and emailed or, you know, and they came up with quite a list and they said, I would never have thought of these people, but actually they're all really good people who I could turn to if I was struggling. Mm -hmm. And it was like, but they'd never thought in that way. And it's part, that's part of the culture, isn't it? You know, help people in the helping professions are notoriously not very good at thinking about their own needs. <laughs> so, so yeah, there were a few things that, that were different to how I typically operate. And if, I mean, uh, heaven forbid we ever, have another global healthcare crisis. Um, but I suppose thinking about the world, you know, that we're in now and the, the different crises that we do deal with, as you reflect on the things that you have been involved with, are there any particular learnings or experiences that you've had that you would highlight as really valuable learnings from that process of how to bring a, a coaching and, and kind of effective coaching into that environment i think i would be confident that it would be possible to do something that would make my contribution would be a very very small contribution but it would be possible to find something some way in which i could use my skill offer my skills and experience in a way that would be of some benefit to people and not just to make me feel better and look for opportunities don't hold back. I mean, maybe even, you know, email around a few people, <laughs> see what was going on. <laughs> there are a few kind of key names. You kind of think, oh, I think they'll probably be involved if something's happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but so, yeah, I, I would, I mean, I was, and both these, it was really yeah, happenstance, wasn't it? But I would be more confident to go looking and, and to ask, is anyone setting anything up? Is anyone doing anything? Uh-huh. And I think that I, I know other people were involved in coaching programs during the pandemic that were less, um, that went, didn't go as well as the one I was involved in. I mean, the one I was involved in was excellent. I thought very well managed. And I thought beautifully closed when they decided it was time. That was it. I said a little bit of, you know, we're going to, we're going to shut it down in a few weeks time. If you're still involved with someone through the program, can you let us know? And let's have a little celebration online and have a cup of tea and say goodbye. Well, that's good to know when the job's done, you know. But so, yeah, I think I'd be more confident to, and I'd go looking. Okay, thank you for that. Um, and really interesting point on closure, actually. 
Jeff, having listened to all that, any uh, any questions you've got or any um, observations? It's a question really, Steve. I wanted to kind of, in a sense, go back to where we started at the beginning of the last podcast when um, Fiona was asking you how you got involved with pro bono gifted coaching, whatever we want to call it. So if I was um, if I was a fairly new coach or trying to get my feet together and tr- trying to work out how to develop myself, create a business, um, and I sidle up to you somewhere and say, Steve, you've done supervisory work in the past. I've got a client base, but I'm looking to improve my skills and experience as a coach. And I'm thinking that maybe one of the ways I can do that is through doing coaching on a voluntary basis. If I frame the question in terms of how could I integrate voluntary coaching into my personal development? How how would you respond to that? Um, well, I think I would say that it could be really helpful to you. And it sounds like you understand that. And what I would encourage you to look for is encourage you to see if there are any pe- any groups or people who are offering some some coaching of, along those lines so that you could join something that's already set up rather than have to create from scratch if you can so i'd ask around the people you know anyone know of any good voluntary coaching programs that there are that i could join and i think it's really good that you recognize that you'd be doing this for you and that you understand your motivation for it and that that puts puts you in good stead i think for doing the job sounds sounds good to me uh so just my final thought, Steve, is you know, thank you very much for your, for your time. I've certainly appreciated your input into uh, my work as I was getting started into my practice. And I I always find it encouraging to recognise that however long we do this as coaches and whatever work we do, we always find there's something else we can learn and something else we can discover. And that never-ending process of discovery is... You know, for me, I think one of the things that makes this such an exciting, exciting practice and exciting thing to be involved with. Thank you again. Not at all. Final thoughts from you, Fiona? Nothing hugely to add on that, really. Probably just um, clearly a lot of experience and learning that's that's gone into that, and and actually just to uh, to, to reflect on that, I think is really really valuable. So, Fiona, that brings us to the end of our first year of podcasting. Uh, have you found the experience? It's been really good fun. I've enjoyed it i wasn't sure what i thought about it at the start i've hugely enjoyed the conversations that we've had and really uh, like the opportunity of getting to know some of our coaches better and to dig a bit deeper into their areas of specialism i just feel like i know some of our coaches so much better now and i guess i've really seen the diversity of coaching skills and coaching expertise that that are within our membership uh, and i'll just mention uh, jez lewis because i'll got um three short podcasts doing with him which we'll publish at the beginning of next year so this is looking at some of the social conventions that we have as british people and what we can do with them uh so they're they're quite short ones that's just uh, just me and jez have done those and uh, we can look forward to those in the new year and beyond that well we have some other people lined up and we will share more about that in 2024 so until then, thank you for all your support, Fiona. It's been great working with you. And thanks to our listeners. Definitely enjoyed it. Definitely learned lots from it. And uh, really looking forward to continuing through into next year. Okay, so happy 2023 to everyone and look forward to 2024.